Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, 10 volumes available at Amazon in paperback and ebook format. And for you audiophiles, Nine of the ten volumes are available at Audible, iTunes, and Amazon as well. Thank you for joining us today. And may I introduce you to my brother and co-host, KJ Sheehan. Kev, how are you? I'm doing okay, Bill. We just had some massive thunderstorms roll through here in North Carolina. Yeah, those uh, they, they'll freak you out, man. they get your attention. Well, the rain was coming down, and the trees were dancing like they were going to run away with their roots and all. (laughs) (laughs) Remember the old uh, Casper the Ghost uh, cartoon? Oh, yeah. You know, sometimes them goblins or whatever would show up, and the trees would go, whoop, and the roots would jump out, and they'd go running across the field. (laughs) Run away? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It uh, It was coming down, a little bit of hail. Uh-huh. Serious wind, some good thunder and lightning, and like buckets of rain. Yeah, and you told me a few weeks ago you guys got some fairly substantial hail, right? We did, yeah, like smaller than a golf ball, but good size. Yeah, I don't want too many of them hitting me in the body when I'm walking to the car. No, I was in the house, which is yeah. good. <laughs> Didn't do any damage to the cars either, which is good. Uh, yeah, good. But when people wonder why our insurance premiums are so high, you get events like that, and we're all paying for it when the repair bills come in. Oh, you know? yeah, and it's, you know, we see, we're we seeing more and more hail here in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. It was pretty rare. Now we have a few storms a year, I'd say. Oh, I mean, if you get enough damage on the car, they're just going to total it. Oh, I know. Fortunately, I haven't had any car damage. Good. Some roof damage to the house, but not the not the car. Good, 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 good. She's good, good, man. All right. Well, we are getting into the creep fest today. I hope you're ready. <laughs> I'm always ready for some creep. <laughs> this is another suggestion that came in from our listeners out there, so I really appreciate the ideas coming in. Uh-huh. And, and this so, is... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so folks, if you're new, we're entering into the beginning of our podcast, which we call Cryptids in the News and Other Oddities. And KJ has apparently got something locked and loaded for our listening pleasure. We're going to get a little <laughs> creep on. <laughs> so you got to imagine you're in the woods in Michigan and it's dark 
Uh-huh. And you know about this legend. And it's uh-huh. like something that a horror movie could be made about if if there hasn't been a horror movie made about it already. And these <laughs> creatures are called the melon heads. <laughs> Sorry, folks. <laughs> I know. It sounds like a rock band or something, but it's not. Yeah, I'm, I'm laughing, but I probably wouldn't be laughing if confronted with them. wouldn't be laughing if you ran into these kiddos. Uh-huh. So these are there are different legends of melon heads around the U.S., but uh-huh. tonight we're going to talk about the melon heads of Saugatuck, Michigan. No kidding. There's different versions of melon heads. Yeah, apparently, there are, Bill. <laughs> oh my God! All of them are creepy, though. <laughs> oh, go ahead, bro. So these uh, the the melon heads of. Sagatak. I'm going to talk about, and this actually comes from a, a news story there from Channel Three News or News Channel Three in Sagatak, Michigan, and uh, it, it they uh, put this out in 2016, so not mm-hmm. that long ago. Okay, and um, you know they the they're known to be these melonheads. Smaller people, almost like children, I would say like 10, 12, 14 years old, with large heads, right? So hence the name Melon Head. Mm-hmm. And they creep around the woods in uh, a place called Allegan County in Saugatuck, Michigan. And Saugatuck is kind of on the eastern side of Lake Michigan. Um, you know, not a super rural place, but I would say close to pretty rural places. But we're not talking about the Upa, for yeah, example. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're creeping around the woods. Are they naked? Uh, they didn't say whether they're clothed or not, but let me tell you a little bit about them. Okay. So first we start with their origin. Um, you know, no one's quite sure, and there are various stories but there is this uh, this story that comes out of uh, uh, you know the uh, the history there in the town, and they say you do hear stories of older people saying, "When I was a teenager in the 1950s, we would go out there and see glowing eyes in the woods, or we might see something else." And they say, legend has it that the Melonheads live in an underground series of tunnels. And, Bill, let's just say they're not friendly Melonheads. Oh, my God. The rumors are, (laughs) the stories are, legend, that they sometimes jump out and attack people. And sometimes after they attack people, they actually eat the people. Ah, little freaking cannibals. Yes. Uh. And there's a lot of different stories and legends about how these little monsters got there. But they all have to do with a condition, a human condition called uh, hydrocephalus, right? So this is where you get excess fluid in the brain and it causes the head to grow to abnormal size. Mm -hmm. Hence, melon head. And this is a real medical condition. Yeah, yeah. And the story goes, the main story goes, that these melon-headed children lived at an insane asylum near a place called the Felt Mansion Mm. here in Saugatuck. And it's F-E-L-T, so this big old house that's still there. Okay. And the story goes, and this is where it really gets creepy if, you know, melon heads weren't creepy Uh. enough for you, is that when they, the, the, 
these kids got put into this insane asylum because back then, you know, like, hey, you got this big head, you must be insane, we'll, we'll put you in here. And they ran into the wrong doctor at the insane asylum. And this guy was some kind of sadist, uh. and he started conducting experiments on them. Uh, yeah, 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 like, yeah, and, yeah. And like injecting stuff into their heads, causing them extreme pain, causing them to go even more insane. Oh, my God, where do these people I come know, from, man? It's an evil story, right? Yeah, it is evil. And then, after a few years of this, apparently, finally the kids, the Melonhead kids, got the best of the doctor, and they revolted on him, they killed him, and they dragged him out into the woods from the insane asylum. Well, so tur- the- turnabout is fair play, so if there's any light in this story, it's that they got the creep. Exactly, but then that's where the legend starts, where... You know, these kids started out kids mm-hmm. all with this uh, condition causing the uh, abnormal uh, head size. And I mean bigger than your head and my head, Bill. Now we're talking <laughs> some two big buckets. <laughs> <laughs> these are some serious custom hats. But they, uh, they, you know, revolted and then they're out there in the woods and probably, you know, ended up having family, whatever, you know, the kind of, and they talk about them becoming feral. So these feral, crazy kids with this horrible condition out there in the forest. And that's where the legend comes from. Mm-hmm. So and, ap- apparently in this legend, nobody ever sought to retrieve this these kids, we don't know how many there were when they escaped and took the mad scientist doctor out with them, but nobody ever went after them to bring them back, I guess. They don't talk about that, you know, so it's mm-hmm. kind of kind of strange in that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stories about this online, but uh, they don't really talk about going out after them. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's a wild story. The the uh, you can find it in a lot of different places out there on the interweb, and uh, you know so it's not a one off. This article too by News Channel Three wasn't written on April Fools or something like that, or even on Halloween. Right. Um, and uh, so you know it seems to be a real legend. And again, some of our listeners wrote in about this. Now, what's interesting is, you know, they talk about the fact that they were at this insane asylum. But they say that now that there wasn't an insane asylum out there, but there was some kind of weird prison out there. A weird prison. Yeah, so maybe uh, these kids were actually locked up because of their condition, you know, and maybe they were a little insane, and instead of putting them in the asylum, they put them in the prison. Now, folks, if anybody's out there that knows anything about this so-called weird prison in that area could shed a little light on this contact us at bigfoottterrorinthewoods.com and hit the contact link yeah if you're uh, if you're out there in Saugatuck the surrounding area tell us about it tell us what you know yeah yeah and so we need that feed on the street mindset right right now this story you said came from 06 16 2016 uh, 2016 I'm sorry 
And, but other people had were speaking about it, you know, like, well, back in the 50s. Oh, yeah, this was just published by uh, yeah. News Channel 3 there. Mm-hmm. I but wonder it wasn't what like a modern day thing. Now, anything current going on relative to these melon heads or no? I haven't seen anything other than it's a legend, you know what I mean? So, uh-huh. I'm sure when people say see something weird out there, it's the melon heads. Right? You know, or if they were legitimate uh unfortunately uh young people that had been experimented on Perhaps this encephalitis or whatever and living outside, they died. Maybe. You know. And the thing of living underground in tunnels, I mean, I could see if you had nowhere to go and uh, maybe going back to like this feral state, like you said, and uh, burrowing just for protection. You know, but what a heck of a way to live. Yeah. And that seems to me, that seems like a bit of a long shot. Yeah. Yep. Um, in these legends, there's always part of the legend where you're like, eh, I don't know about that one. Like, did they really have tools and techniques to tunnel and create a labyrinth under the forest? I don't know. Yeah, it's a little hard to believe. A little hard to believe that part. But um, strange, strange stuff. Melon heads, mad doctors, you know. What a bizarre, sounds like a Frankenstein scenario, you know? Yeah, well, and I'll tell you, I'm not going to go into them tonight, but there's a legend in Connecticut of the melon heads and also um, a legend in Ohio of the melon heads. And all three of them, I don't know if they're morphed together, um, they all include, you know, children that had this uh, hydrocephalus condition. And some version of a madman. Hmm. So I don't know if they blended together over time, or you really had uh, uh, three different accounts, basically. You know, and it seems to me that when I've watched some of these uh, ghost hunter shows and whatnot, when they're in these sanitariums, that... More often than not, there's a story of some uh, wayward doctor uh, doing bad things to people that were basically locked up and couldn't get out. Yeah. And I don't know if there's truth to all these things, but some of these people were just like freaking Nazi war criminal doctors or something that happened to have a job. Yeah, well, that's that one... uh one of the Goatman legends, right? There's one of them from Maryland, as I recall, and the one in Texas with the bridge associated with it. Yeah. But the one in Maryland is, like, supposed to be, you know, uh, came out of someone escaping from a location where they were doing experiments on them and, you know, basically went crazy and also had these physical conditions, too. Man, oh man, I just can't. Wild uh... stuff. Yeah, it's 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 kind of sickening to think oh, about 100%, it. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. Wow, freaking melon heads! <laughs> oh my God! So is that it with the melon heads? That's it on the melon heads, Bill. Wow, man! From well, cryptids in the news and other oddities yeah, this week. Yeah. Well, that's your uh, creep fest for sure. You know, we got some creep on. Right. And by the way, if there's anybody out there that's renting a room or something to a melon head, <laughs> uh, 
make <laughs> make sure you get in touch with us. Uh, Maybe a basement room in Saugatuck, Michigan. <laughs> Hypothetically. Hypothetically, of course. We won't well, turn you in. Yeah, or if one's living in a ditch in your backyard. Yeah, we won't turn you in or anything. <laughs> I'll send you a, a one-way airline ticket so you can send a melon <laughs> to my brother's house. No, 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 no. That'd be like a black-eyed kid showing up, and you know what's going to happen to them. What would you rather have, a black-eyed kid showing up that just wants to use your telephone <laughs> or a melon head? <laughs> I, uh, think, I think I'd go with the melon head, honestly. Yeah, well, then send them to your house. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> Sorry, there's no melon heads allowed to fly to North Carolina. That's <laughs> right. You can't. No melon head may board this aircraft. We have an ordinance craft. against that. No melon heads, please. No well, lithium I, batteries, uh, no melon heads. Yeah, in the fine print it says, and uh, no melon heads. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a Halloween costume? No, I'm a melon head. Oh, excellent. Oh, nice. You can't get on the plane. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> well, I have a pretty interesting uh, sighting here uh, brought to my attention by Ed Bernstein and his wife, Chloe, who were hiking in the vicinity of Lake McDonald within Glacier National Park. And uh, this is what they saw. So Chloe and I had been out for a day hike in Glacier National when we found ourselves approaching the McDonald Creek footbridge. Now, why they call this a creek is beyond me because it's actually quite wide and there's white water in every direction that you look. Good point, right? Chloe and I were standing in the middle of the bridge, taking in the sights and sounds of the creek and absorbing the beauty of the day. We must have been standing there for about a half an hour when we decided to continue our little trek, crossing over the remainder of the bridge and making our way into the trail. Now, as you cross over this bridge, the trail continues along the lower side of what I will call a small mountain, which is covered in pines that continue up the sides of its steep slope. We were just breaking into the trail, having crossed the footbridge, when Chloe said to me, Ed, what is that over there? As my eyes became fixed on where she was now pointing, I could see a large fur-covered creature peering out from behind a tree, only maybe 50 feet or so away from us. This creature was at least four or four to- oh, four or five times wider than the tree that it was hiding behind, and it kept moving its head behind and then away from the tree, looking directly at us when it did so. It was enormous in stature, and Chloe had grabbed my arm in fear. As soon as I saw it, I knew that I was looking at a Bigfoot. It was repeating this movement of going behind the tree and then looking back at us so quickly that it was hard to keep track of how many times it had actually occurred. The tree it was standing behind was no more than, say, 14 inches wide, and there was at least a foot or more of its body visible on both sides. 
in the moment, I remember thinking that it must have been watching us on the bridge. And perhaps we caught it off guard as we quickly resumed our hike going in the direction it was standing. At any rate, it seemed very nervous, which was something I was not too happy about. If it had decided to come at us and do us harm, there would have been little or nothing that we could have done to defend ourselves against it. It was all of eight or nine feet tall and extremely broad. Each time that it tilted or leaned away from the tree, its left hand remained on the side of the trunk while the rest of the body came into view. Its mouth was shut the entire time and it didn't so much as make a sound. The face was very flat as far as we could see, and its expression was very mean or even, shall we say, evil-looking, although it wasn't exhibiting any behavior to match its appearance. What I just described to you was going on for maybe a minute, when it turned and started to move up the slope on an angle going away from us. This was a very steep incline that was densely packed with trees, yet each of the steps it took appeared to be something like 8 or 10 feet long. The Bigfoot was totally out of our sight in about five strides, having covered some 40 or 50 feet into the trees. We could hear some crunching noises for maybe another 30 seconds, and then there was nothing. My wife and I immediately retreated back over the bridge and hightailed it out of there. Chloe was visibly shaking, and I guess I was in somewhat of a state of shock. I remember I was breathing very shallowly and was having trouble gathering my thoughts about what had just occurred. As far as what this Bigfoot looked like, as I just said... At the waist alone, it was at least three to four feet wide, and then the body tapered outward from there. I would estimate that at the outside edges of its shoulders, we're talking at the very least six to seven feet. It was absolutely staggering to the eyes. Its face was mostly covered in hair, with the exception being around and just below its eyes, as well as part of the cheek area. Its fingers that were wrapped around the tree's trunk were very long, perhaps close to a foot in length. And what we would call the pectoral muscles made it appear like there were two bed pillows plastered to its upper chest. Holy smokes! The thickness of its biceps were at least 10 inches or more. When it stepped away from us, I could see the bottoms of its feet briefly, maybe on two of the steps that it had taken. From my perspective, they appeared to be gray and somewhat flat, like the sole of a well-worn moccasin. I did. Uh, where am I here? I don't know. Oh, I got two pages mixed up here. I'm sorry. <laughs> I distinctly remember the nose being extremely broad and flat to the face, 
which made the lower jaw seem to be seem to protrude abnormally from the face. My hope is that I've done a good job in reporting this sighting to you and your readers. And having said as much, mere words cannot and will not ever take the place of having the encounter for yourself. It was a combination of total fear and total ecstasy at the same time. Kind of like finding a pot of gold that could kill you. How, what do you think of that, Kev? Whoa, that is wild, Bill. Up close and personal. And notice the terminology. Remember uh, the uh, account I did on the two people doing photography who saw that creature in the long-distance shot and the woman said it looked like a nervous man waiting for a bus. Yeah, well, it's like the other one, too. The uh, You know, one of the top ten sightings. I can never rem- remember the name. What what mountain is it, Bill, where the church group was there looking up at the ridge? Oh, Marble Mountain. Marble Mountain. Thank yeah. You. I don't know what it is, folks. I can never remember the Marble Mountain, mountain sighting name, even though it's one of my favorite sightings of all time. Yeah. Yeah, that guy walked, that creature walking back and forth all nervously like he's waiting on a bus. Yeah, he's flipping his arms around. Remember yeah. that footage? Maybe, maybe he had like his uh, AirPods in and he was talking on the iPhone. I don't know. <laughs> Why did my insurance bill go up 150 bucks? Come, Come on. on. No, I don't know my account number. <laughs> Homeowners. I'm a yeah, homeowners insurance. I live in a hovel in the woods. <laughs> I gave you the credit cards that I got from those last three hikers. Come on, they have to have some credit. Yeah, and you know, interesting too that uh, many times, including just the other night, I did an interview with somebody from Nova Scotia. And the Bigfoot chooses just to step behind anything, apparently unable to realize that it's not hidden. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're behind a tree and you're four times wider than it. And not only that, this creature is popping in and out erratically, like looking at him like like nobody sees you, Mr. Bigfoot. Yeah, this account, didn't they say like six feet wide at the shoulders? Yeah, that's a big beast. Yeah, it's tough to hide behind a tree. Yeah, I mean, maybe a cluster of trees you could blend in a little <laughs> bit, but one Maybe tree. a redwood. Yeah, redwood. <laughs> but uh, what a freak show, huh? Glacier yeah. National Park. I And I've been to Glacier a few times. I love Glacier. And, folks, if you haven't been to Glacier National Park... Anything can happen out there. <laughs> I mean, the story Such- I tell people the first time there, when my kids were little, we had stopped on uh, along what's called the Road to the Sun, which is uh, a road that goes across Glacier National Park. And our kids were little, like too little to take hiking in a place like that. And the week before, a woman had been killed by a grizzly. And oh, she it- had a gun and... Like, they found her dead with, you know, an empty 12-shot magazine, you know, and no bear. Empty? Yeah, which happens out there. I mean, yeah. these grizzlies are beasts. Uh-huh. And um, we stopped, and we're, like, looking from the hiking trail up on the side of the mountain there. And you could see this dust 
trail coming up like somebody was had like a four by four that was whipping along on the side of the mountain uh-huh and i'm like look at that that's weird how'd they get up there and then like we looked more closely and it was a grizzly just ripping along the side of the mountain he must have been chasing something yeah or yeah you know, he was probably doing about 30 miles an hour so that is incredible yeah but so folks you know just like the grizzly, I mean, people have spoken about Bigfoot running as fast as their car. You know, now, of course, oh, we're, yeah. we're not talking 60 miles an hour, but if you were riding down the street at 30 or 40. You're uh, moving. Yeah, they're moving on, man. You know, so the chances of you uh, escaping are slim and none, and slim just left. <laughs> so, uh you know, you 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 just don't know. It's like a cougar attack, right? They just launch it, and boom, you hit. You don't even know what happened. Yeah, you don't know what happened until after you're hit. Yeah, if you live. Yeah. So uh, I told you, my friend Dave, speaking of cougars, uh, he just sent me uh, a picture uh, a week or two ago from uh, Oregon and a a logging site they're working. Uh, they still have some snow going on up there, if you can believe that. And uh, he laid his helmet, his logging helmet down next to this footprint, this track. He said, Bill, this cougar footprint could cover my whole face. Mm. And I said, whoa. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, I don't think you want that bad boy, uh, Sneak it up on you with a little trot to jump on you. No, sir. Yeah, I don't think that's going to last too long either. <laughs> but uh, interesting stuff, you know, how these people run into things. And the man just said, if it had come at us, there would be little or nothing we could have done. Right. You know, you'd just be maybe trying to save your wife's life if you didn't get wiped out immediately. Or both of you simultaneously. Who knows how that would have ended. Yeah, 100%. But uh, I don't know, man. You know, I was on with folks. I was on with uh, uh, Bobo and Cliffy uh, about a week ago. I'm not sure when that show's going to air. And I never got around to asking them. The conversation was like going all over the place. Uh, I never got around to asking them if... Behind the scenes, people were walking around with weapons. Oh, yeah. Because I always thought it was kind of nuts. Uh, I still think it's kind of nuts to be stomping around in the woods unarmed, uh, particularly in the dark. So I, I, I don't know what to make hey, of it. you got to have some big uh, fire extinguishers of uh, bear spray, if nothing else. Yeah, something. you got to have Because you're definitely going to run into bears out there, let yeah, alone Bigfoot. Yeah, you get, you have to have something for defensive purposes, you know, in my opinion, though. Know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if they wouldn't let me carry anything, I'd just bring my samurai sword. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could freaking shave with that thing, and I guarantee you, if I get two arms into that, something's going to give. Hey, if you don't have that, Bill, and nothing else, what are you going to do, bop them on the ears? I'm going to jump on him and ride him around till he's Come tired. on over here. Let me give you a whack on the ear. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bite me while I'm doing this now. 
No. Just give me a minute to give you a little Three Stooges whop on the ears. Why, you numbskull? Come over here. <laughs> All right, Bill. Well, that is a great account. Giant yeah. Bigfoot, like nine feet tall, six feet wide. Out in Bigfoot country in Montana and Glacier National Park. Yeah, just, uh, I mean, you know, once again, you look at the ceiling in your house at eight feet and you think of looking at something that's, you know, 1,200 pounds and six feet wide, man alive. I I don't know, man. You're lucky you're alive after you see it. You probably just drop on the spot. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like people like to brag about what they think they would do or wouldn't do. I don't know, man. Uh, I think it would just stop you in your tracks, and I, I don't know what would happen after that. What they do after they peed in their pants. Yeah. Man, alive. <laughs> I can't even think about it. But it happens. It happens to people on a regular basis. You know, they run into them, and then like, uh-oh. You know. Oh, I know. Could you hold on for a minute? I want to take my iPhone out and take your picture. Hold on. Let me try not to be shaky. Yeah. Wait, that Uh, one didn't come out too good. Stay still for a minute. (laughs) One more. One more. Come on. Stop (laughs) growling. (laughs) All right, Bill. Well, we got some great listener mail this week. Thanks, folks, for writing in. Love it. And this first topic, we get a lot of mail on this, and I don't think we've talked much about it, so... Let's jump in. This comes from Janet in Ireland. Whoa. And the subject is orb. Mm-hmm. So she says, hello, W and K. My husband and I are sheep farmers mm-hmm. in County Kerry. Of course, every spring is lambing season. About six or seven years ago, we installed a camera in the shed so that we can monitor the situation with the ewes at night. That's E-W-E-S, not like my brother says, use. Use. (laughs) (laughs) We usually house the use with twins or triplets and first-time mothers. So I guess they put the high-risk mothers in this shed. Okay. The remainder lamb out in the fields. When their time comes, usually not needing human interference. We each have a tablet on our nightstands. And if we wake in the night, we check to see, is any you in trouble? Okay. We used to have to take turns waking up, uh, waking up to, walking up to the shed, sorry, to check every couple of hours. So the lamb cam is a big help. Every year without fail, since we installed the camera, we've seen an orb glowing, moving across the screen. Wow. Now, we don't see this orb every night. So I think it's unlikely that it would just be an insect or some glare or dust. We usually only see one. Uh, Another reason I can't dismiss it is an insect, and we only see it one night. Mm -hmm. We only see it at night. It might occur other times, and we just don't happen to see it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or wake up either, too, right? I've recorded it several for, for several years and did so again this year. I don't think I have any of the past recordings, but if you want to see what I captured this year, I'd, need, I'd, I'd be happy to send it to you. Uh, if you can, please provide an email address. Great show. I love your brotherly banter. Reminds me of me and my own brother. 
Unfortunately, he passed away in 1999, just before the turn of 2000. Hmm. He was a Kansas City fire chief and was overcome by smoke in a warehouse fire when his mask malfunctioned. Oh, boy. Listening to you two razz each other brings brings me always to my memories of him. Thanks for your show and your books, which I usually listen to on Audible. Janet. Uh, two things, Kev, a couple of things, actually. I did respond to Janet, and Janet, I hope you're listening, uh, and I gave her an email where she could send that footage, and I haven't received it. Okay. So if you're listening, Janet, you want to chime back in with us, tell me what happened or what didn't happen, and we could get together again. So that's number one. Number two, with this lamb cam, uh, you know, if it's lit all the time, I've seen some insects do some weird stuff uh illuminating, uh, being illuminated through camera lenses, you know. Now, I'm not besmirching the fact that it could be some type of orb moving around there, uh, but I can't discount the fact that, you know, I've seen some really strange footage of uh, insects uh, magnified by a, a camera yeah, lens. Yeah, you and, know. And, and folks, and Billy, Bill knows me, I'm always the the student of what's called Occam's razor, which is the most obvious solution is probably the solution. And, you know, some of these uh, shots where you have like a little tiny aphid, like on the lens of your ring camera, it looks like an orb. Yeah. Cruise floating across your yard or something like that. But it really is most of the time just like a little aphid bug. Right. But it's right on the lens of the camera. And these cameras are now so high resolution that it makes it look like something really weird. Yeah, so again, Janet, I'd like to see what footage you have. Uh, but I have to add to the side of maybe, maybe not. Right. You know, but uh, that's not to say that if you're out in the woods or on your property without a camera and you're seeing a ball of light moving around over the field, that's a whole different kettle of fish than having this lamb cam in this uh, outbuilding, you know. Uh, so I'd also like to know or, or get some feedback from her or her husband uh, if they do see anything moving around the property away from that cam. Yeah. So uh, anyways, very interesting, you know. No, she, it's a good letter. Yeah, excellent. She All right, our this. next one comes in from Kenneth in Oregon. And it's called Oregon Sightings. And he says, greetings, Kevin and Bill. Ken from Brownsville, Oregon here. Thanks for the always awesome podcast. You guys never disappoint me. Also, it was very cool to hear a sighting so close to my home, which is the Rogue River account, episode 195. Mm -hmm. Ken writes that the... Siskiyou National Forest is one of my favorite places to look for the hairy man, since mm. I can be there in about 30 minutes. Perfect. Exactly. Again, thank you both for all you do. You bring much joy and entertainment to my life, and it is greatly appreciated. Mm -hmm. And he says, P.S. Bill, I still cherish the autographed book that I won a few years ago. Oh. Yeah, and he says, sorry, Kev. 
Because, <laughs> folks, if you don't know it, I don't have an autographed book yet. <laughs> well, Kev, maybe you can enter a future contest and I maybe you'll entered. win. I still don't get picked. Well, you know, not everybody wins. It's a contest. Uh, apparently. You know, you buy a lottery ticket, you're hoping to win. Even every brother doesn't win. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and our Uh, last note is a fun one from Judy in Georgia. And the subject is, a hairy man makes an appearance. mm -hmm. Hi, guys. Love the podcast every week, but I love baseball more especially the Atlanta Braves. <laughs> she says this past weekend they played the Can- they played in Kansas City and swept the Royals. Yay. The Royals have a player named Vinny Pasquantino. Hey Vinny. Hey, goodbye. Hey, and the fans there have nicknamed him Pasquatch. <laughs> which I love, of course. Of course. Anytime Vinny gets on base, a hairy man walks on the outfield concourse and struts around in celebration. <laughs> the cameraman makes sure to show the squatch, and even though I was rooting for the other side, it was great fun to see the hairy man make it make an appearance in the ball game. That is funny. I thought you guys would both like this as much as I did. Keep up the great work and blessings to you both. Judy from Georgia. Judy, now, that's fantastic. I haven't heard about Pasquatch. Now, this is on the Atlanta Braves? No, the guy is on the Kansas City Royals. Oh, okay. So it's so the Royals. She was watching uh, the Braves play the Royals. Okay. And they had uh, Pasquatch. And when he comes up to bat, this uh, Sasquatch guy walks around on this walkway in the outfield or exactly. something. Exactly. Interesting. I'd like to look that up and see what it is. Yeah, check it out. I'm sure it's up on YouTube. Pasquatch. Pasquatch. <laughs> Vinny Boombox. You know, relative also, kept to the other fella who was commenting on the Siskiyou uh, National Forest and the Rogue River, uh, I am shocked. Well, of course, we don't know. He says it's 30 minutes from his house, but how much time does he spend up there? Because uh, I really feel that if if he was up there for any amount of time, uh, it, it, the possibility is pretty good he's going to have some type of sighting or evidentiary find of some sort in that area. Yeah. I Never mean, know. I told you I was just talking with... Uh, Rich, and uh, he sent me all of that footage uh, from basically a trail leading up in the direction of Mount Baker. And uh, I'm telling you, man, that area, it just ridiculous. It looks like you've gone back to the land of the dinosaurs. Huge trees and stumps and Ferns and huckleberry bushes and, I mean, just like anything and everything could be out there and you'd have no way of knowing it. Uh, You know, there is just so much real estate out there for so many things to get lost in. Yeah. That it just blows my mind. 
when I get some of this uh, photographic uh, footage of these areas. Yeah. And uh, that's the skew. National Forest is such a place, too, you know. 100%. But uh, keep looking, folks, you know. And like I say, if you've seen something, say something. You know, you can contact us at BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. Hit the contact link and just type in what you got to say. I mean, I'll gladly uh, talk to you, call you, you know, whatever you like. You know, I talk to people all the time and I really enjoy it. And uh, like I said, I was on with Bobo and Cliff a week ago. And tonight, uh, of course, you'll be listening to this podcast tonight, Kev, will they? Yeah, probably tomorrow. Okay. and But tonight, uh, from 9 to 10.30, I'm going to be on with uh, Richard Surratt uh, for an hour and a half. And uh, that should be interesting. So I'm getting around. I'm beating the bushes and uh, having conversations about the hairy man. So always look out. Remember, you can pick us up on YouTube now. Uh, just type in Bigfoot Terror in the Woods. And WJ Sheehan, and you'll come across me, and you just click on an episode, and uh, typically you're going to click on one, and then you're going to click on below that, and it'll take you into the whole selection. Leave us some good reviews if you do that, you know, five yeah, stars. Yeah, and, and folks, they're the same episodes that you're listening to on your favorite podcast player, but if you prefer to listen to them on YouTube, they're there as well. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's it, Bill, for listener mail. Thank you, folks. And like mm-hmm. Bill was saying about leaving us a review, leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast player. Those reviews are virtually the only means we have for attracting new listeners to the podcast. And by getting new listeners, we can continue to improve the quality of the podcast and stay on schedule, stay on our weekly schedule. So thank you very much, folks. Well, Kev, uh, personally, I don't think there's anything we could do to improve this. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe get new hosts? Uh, well, I mean, you know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and folks, if you should be wandering around in the forest somewhere in your neck of the woods, I highly recommend one thing. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight.